Welcome to Prison Pipeline, produced at the studios of KBOO Portland. I'm Karen James. The walkout by Republican senators during this 2023 Oregon legislative session leaves hundreds of bills in jeopardy. Two bills in limbo provide support and care for children and their incarcerated mothers. My guests are Vanessa Sherrod, peer wellness specialist with the Family Preservation Project of the YWCA, Jessica Katz, Family Preservation Project Director, and Alicia Roach, who is a doula. Welcome, ladies. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Karen, for having us. So as I mentioned, there are two bills going through the legislative process in Oregon. One bill would codify the Family Preservation Project in statute until 2031, and another bill would establish a doula program at Coffee Creek Correctional Facility, Oregon's only women's prison. So Jessica, where are both bills in the legislative process? So House Bill 2535 passed, I believe, unanimously out of the House Judiciary Committee and was referred to the Senate Health Care Committee, uh, where it passed um, and was now referred to the Senate for a vote. So it is in limbo. House Bill 2731 passed out of the House Committee on Judiciary in early March with a strong vote of support. It was then referred to Ways and Means, where it still sits. So both bills were introduced by Representative Lisa Reynolds at the request of the Family Preservation Project of the YWCA. So Alicia and Vanessa, you're both FPP alumni. So talk a little bit about what the Family Preservation Project is, what that program's about, and tell us about yourself and your involvement with the Family Preservation Project of the YWCA. So, yep, my name is Vanessa. I am a peer wellness specialist for our program, as well as a coordinator for our program in helping other moms who are interested in becoming a peer wellness specialist as well. So we support them uh, through an internship so that they can become peers and do the same work that I've been blessed to do. And through that, I mean, the program itself has been full circle in my life. I participated in the Family Preservation Project three out of the four years that I was incarcerated. That program, you know, saved my family's um, foundation. It, it continued to allow me to be a mother um, when I was inside, being able to show up for my kids and do what a mother should be able to do for their kids, which is, you know, take care of their medical stuff, um, get them involved in sports, build that village of support. So um, they never feel or have to feel that, you know, that I don't love them or, or that they were forgotten. As soon as I released, I was able to get involved with advocacy and always, you know, it seems like we have to every couple of years come back and fight for FPP and we'll do it to the day that I that I can't anymore because I know the value of the program and what it did for my family. And now that I get to um, be a peer for the moms that participate in the program, I continue to, you know, walk alongside them and supporting them. Prior to their release, we connect and do a needs assessment, find out their needs and try to support those needs as much as possible and, and connect them with resources and a mentor. You one of us moms who've been through the same steps, you know, they're about to go through. And it's just it's just about really walking alongside them and supporting them. You know, we're all mothers and, and that transition itself coming home can be can bear its own cross. And 
being able to show up for those moms and and help navigate um, those feelings or resources for their kids and themselves so that the transition is smoother and easier is the best part of my job. And Alicia, you were a mom in Coffee Creek also? I was. So I got arrested in 2008. I think I joined Family Preservation Project 2010 or 11. Before my release, I only had one child. I had my second child while I was incarcerated. FPP showed me how to parent two children at once. I was terrified that they wouldn't get enough of me. They helped rebuild me and my sister's relationship. It was It had gotten drug in the mud. It was a horrible relationship. We had family meetings. We did a family genealogy where we seen addiction and different things about our family so we can try to interrupt that. I did my first college course there. I worked at the Family Resource Center. They just helped me to be a better person. Without them, I would not be sitting here with you today. I'm going to cry because, and even to this day, I call on Jessica just to be there because she knows, she knows me. She knows the real me. Um, I was at my rock bottom when I went to prison. And if it wasn't for them, my kids wouldn't have been able to see me. I wouldn't have been involved in their schooling medical decisions, um, making arts and crafts for them. I still have a blanket that I made for my now 18-year-old son, and it's just been passed down to each of my kids. Um, It just made me feel like I was a part of my kids' life instead of just not being there for them. It gave my mom and my dad support because of the other grandparents that weren't taking care of their kids or their grandchildren. I built a community of women that I love and that I trust. And that wasn't, that wasn't nothing that I was willing to do outside of that program. You're talking about all of this happening inside the prison walls. Inside the prison walls. We had movie nights where us sisters got together and we would just relax and be comfortable, watch movies. I just built a community that I released in 2013. So August will be 10 years. I still call on Jessica. I still am involved as much as I can. She helped me on my path to become a doula. We started researching that while I was at Coffee Creek. I've walked alongside with her and Carrie Cohen to help get the wording right for this doula bill. And that's been a struggle in itself, just still staying persistent with all of the no's and the little nitpickings of the bill. That's my family. So on House Bill 2731, now that would codify the Family Preservation Project in statute until 2031. Jessica, this has been introduced to the legislature for a number of years now uh, to secure funding for this program. Talk about what's different with this year's bill. I think the two things that uh, stand apart, uh, I think, are the duration of time, uh, you know, prior to the bill's sunsetting. So it would uh, codify the Family Preservation Project in statute, um, as you mentioned, through uh, 2031, which would provide 
uh, the most stable funding that the program has ever really seen and provide us an opportunity to uh, continue to work with Trauma-Informed Oregon and the Regional Research Institute around looking at non-criminal justice uh, matrix of success. So typically we look at you know, recidivism, and that is sort of the data point that uh, proves efficacy. And because what we are trying to do in the Family Preservation Project really centers so much more around social determinants of health and the well-being of families and children, having unstable funding in fits and starts hasn't allowed us to kind of do a deeper dive into how and where we are moving the dial for uh, the young people who are impacted by their mom's incarceration. So I would say those that's primarily what sets this year's ask apart from other years. How would this secure funding through 2031, what difference would that make to the Family Preservation Project, to the program itself? Well, I, I think if you just think of expenditure of energy um, every year or every two years to continue to make a case for funding is energy that can't be spent scaling and building and, uh, you know, making pieces of the program of the highest value to people. So uh, I think that would be the primary primary difference is that the, the expenditure of energy could go to other places and to really solidifying what we know works and putting more energy in those places, uh, evaluating the program more. We are continuing to build out pieces of the program that are really important to us. Part of where we would love to really focus our energy and have begun to focus our energy is uh, around building a youth advisory council. So young people who have come out the other side of their parents' incarceration have had the opportunity to do healing work, have had the opportunity to do repair work, have had the opportunity for reflection, on what was important um, around their healing journey and what was uh, important about the supports that they received and how do we scale those for the almost 70,000 kids in Oregon who are impacted. And so we believe that they really hold the answers and we're largely not a part of the initial conversations around implementation. So we're hoping we can really take cues from them, receive guidance from them, and that they can help really make these rights realities for children in Oregon. Um, the other piece is, as Vanessa mentioned, her her piece of the, the program that she's building out around peer wellness support is really twofold. I think one part she articulated um, and the other part is just what it means to have opportunity to have purpose driven work. So not only are the moms getting trained to help other moms, but they are also receiving an opportunity to have a professional certification that allows them to be part of solutions that allows them to help the path be easier for other women and also heal themselves. Because one of the things I think is really fundamental to healing post-incarceration is feeling like you have a tremendous amount of worth and value in the world, that you have the opportunity to create solutions around problems that you know intimately well. So let's talk about the second bill, House Bill 2535. So Alicia, what is a doula? A doula is a labor support person providing physical and emotional support during the labor and delivery process. How many women at Coffee Creek are pregnant, say, in a year? I believe it was 12 that we came up with. I think one a month, 12 per year. I believe that's what we said. 
What percentage of women incarcerated in Coffee Creek are mothers? 80 to 90% of women incarcerated are mothers. Talk about what happens to a pregnant woman incarcerated in Coffee Creek Correctional Facility right now. Explain what it's like. Uh, Does she get prenatal care? And what happens when it's time to deliver the baby? They probably get the minimum care, just the basic, not, not anything outside of the norm that you would get. So basic prenatal visits once a month, and then it goes to two weeks, and then every week when it gets close to delivery. Um, they may be granted one ultrasound and prenatal vitamins. They may get a snack, like a little nutritious snack to help with the development delivery time. They let the officers know that they're in labor. Officers determine if they are in labor or medical staff determines that they are in labor. And then they're usually shackled or belly chained and sent to the hospital with two correctional officers, no medical staff. When I had my son in Inverness Jail, so in Multnomah County, I was belly chained. I was shackled. I arrived at the hospital seven centimeters, had my son shortly after. An hour after delivery, I was chained to a bed and restricted to my room. You have 24 hours with your child and then you part. And hopefully a plan is made to where your baby goes or your baby goes to foster care and you go back to the facility. And what about emotional support during the pregnancy and delivery? Um, You get the hospital staff, which are not really trained to work with incarcerated moms. They're just hospital staff. They have their, their list of to do's. So it's not too much emotional support. And once you get back to the facility, if you've made a connection with some of the women there, that's your emotional support. And if not, you are in there alone. As we've been advocating for this bill to pass, one of my FVP sisters um, shared her story and allowed me to speak on her behalf just to like minimize re-traumatizing her um, through her experience. And through her experience, her child had been diagnosed with health issues, which created um, more of a need for medical support, which she did not receive. You know, she didn't have the support of learning and, and receiving all this terrible information and no one to support her with being able to write it down and take it back to the facility um, to communicate it to her caregivers on her behalf. I think the bare minimum is definitely the concern for a pregnant mom and a child when a mom is incarcerated. And that's why the doula bill is so important, is the the support um, for the baby and for the mom and for the caregivers is a full circle. Alicia, how would a doula program work in Coffee Creek Correctional Facility? So that's what I was thinking. Some of the moms are new moms, first-time moms, so they have no clue what it's like. They don't know about labor and delivery. They don't know a lot about pregnancy in the different stages. So this doula bill would create a space 
for moms to feel supported. Prenatal education, childbirth education, there's already a lactation program there. So we would partner with them as well to make sure that if those moms would like to breastfeed, they're able to do so and they can get support around that. They would definitely have the emotional support. We would do some type of like baby bonding something, maybe swap of hats and blankets so baby can have mom scent so mom can have baby scent because that also helps with breastfeeding and milk supply. Um, just that holistic support, the family or the people that would have their baby would also get support. And just that postpartum piece where, where you really need it. It's scary for moms and babies when you have right after delivery. So just that whole support so they can feel connected to their baby so they can feel like they are able to make decisions for their baby and the care of their baby. Just that holistic support so you are not alone in there because that is the scariest time is to be in a facility with hundreds of people and still feel alone. I imagine this would be uh, so much better for the health of the mother and the child. Yep, definitely reduce postpartum depression, higher breastfeeding initiation rates for our kids. Our kids would be set up for success, not to fail, not to be unseen and unheard. Mortality rates, alleviating DOC from taking on a role that they have not been trained in. So it's a it would support everybody involved. Um, that mortality rate is the biggest thing. And just to feel connected. Minimizing trauma as well would happen and be a huge benefit for the mother and the baby. And Alicia, you yourself are a doula. So would you be able to work in Coffee Creek as a doula if this bill passed? We're trying to get it so... DLC partners with an outside doula organization. Um, and most definitely, I will be there to support these moms and to be at their births. That is my reason for becoming a doula. But yeah, I've been home for 10 years. I completed postpartum. Uh, yes, I've completed postpartum because my kid is two almost. Um <laughs> But I've completed all the steps that I needed to. I've been on a path. So there's no reason why they should not let me in there. Um, but definitely partnering with an outside organization so we can get trauma-informed doulas to work with these moms because they're a vulnerable population that needs to be cared for in a specific way. And some people have, um, some legislators have uh, mentioned safety concerns. Uh, what are the safety concerns? Some of the safety concerns that were brought up were escaping if they're not shackled, bringing contraband, hiding contraband, and bringing it back to the facility. Those were the safety concerns that were brought up. I've given birth six times one of them being incarcerated. And that was the last thing that did not even cross my mind to run and escape, to bring back contraband, 
So those were the concerns. And Vanessa, what are the costs associated with this doula program? How much would it cost the state or the Department of Corrections? Not a thing. Not one dollar. So that's, I think, been one of the huge uh, selling points for, you know, the state legislator and for DOC. DOC already has the staff in place who would be able to work with the doulas. And yeah, there's not no cost because there's already the doula um, programs available for DOC to contract with at no cost. Would Oregon be the first or are there other doula programs in other prisons across the country? There are a ton of other prison doula programs. We're kind of slow at this, but there are numerous successful doula programs. There are some of them that even train the inmates to become a doula so they can come back into the prison and work. Um, We've also been working with Rebecca Schlafer, and she's helped with testimony for the doula bill because she runs the Minnesota Prison Doula Project. So she's been an advocate for this bill as well. Wouldn't that be exciting to actually think about that as the next step, to have a training program for moms in there to become doulas, to give back? Like that could just be another great opportunity that this could um, turn into. I just wanted to also mention that um, this bill, the like impetus for this bill initiated with former representative uh, Rachel Prusak and that torch was carried really strongly by representative Lisa Reynolds, who is a pediatrician and who um, has cared for babies after they were delivered by moms in custody at Coffee Creek. And she has been a great champion of this bill. And part of her hope is to build off of this bill to create that training program I know that that is on her list of things to want to do. The hope is that these two bills will pass uh, the legislature, but uh, if not, due to the Republican senator walkout, what is next? Yeah, so uh, our our best case scenario, of course, is that the bill passes, uh, which would secure funding for the program through 2031 and codify it in statute. Um, And as we mentioned, this would provide stability for the program, uh, certainty for our partners, and give us the opportunity to conduct a rigorous evaluation um, based on work that we have already initiated. Another option would be a direct allocation from the state legislature for the program, hopefully through the Criminal Justice Commission, as was done this biennium. And that provides for state oversight, would allow the program to at least continue for another two years. And of course, the worst case scenario is that we receive no funding um, and the program faces closure, um, which would mean that the 130 moms that we serve a month and approximately 300 children and um, hundreds of caregiving families no longer receive the services and supports they have access to now. And Vanessa, do you want to give the Family Preservation Project of YWCA uh, website information and how people can contact their legislators to urge support for this legislation? So our website, you can go to the YWCA of Greater Portland's website, and you can search the Family Preservation Project um, on that website and see and learn more about our program as well as donate whatever you'd like to learn is on there. Yes, we would, um, for anybody um, who wants to support these bills, we'd urge them to go to um, the OregonLegislator.gov website and you can Look up who your current representative is for your um, city and you can ask them to support 
uh, House Bill 2535, as, uh, which creates the doula program inside Oregon's only woman prison, and House Bill 2731, which um, continues to support the Family Preservation Project over the next seven years and supports. Like Jessica said, 130 of our moms currently and 300 and some kids and uh, tons more caregivers. So yes, we urge everyone to support and reach out. 